The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, we are opening the bell and discussing all things influencer marketing and just the insane wild, wild west of a world that lives behind influencers and the monetization of their social media presence with none other than the co-founder and CEO of Viral Nation, Joe Galliaze. Viral Nation is the world's largest influencer talent agency, and they secure brand and social media endorsements for all different influencers, A to Z, micro to A-list celebrities. Now, in our first episode, we talk with Dean Ungler, who discloses some of the social media deals he's done, the best ones, the worst ones, the most lucrative, and he even talked about the most embarrassing. But one takeaway from that podcast is how the social media influencing space dug him out of a whole lot of debt he couldn't have ever imagined getting out of. Now, today, we're taking the conversation to the next level, but we're talking all things. We're talking how to become an influencer, what people should know about the future of social media, and some of the biggest and wildest things Joe has ever seen. We talk about what people are paid, what the contracts look like, how the amounts are actually determined. And Joe even takes a stab at how much I make on an annual basis. And listen, we're getting comfortable with talking about money. So I give you the answer. Joe tells us the percentage of kids right now that want to be influencers when they grow up. He talks about how the industry has become so important for everyone, whether you have one follower or you have millions for kids growing up. Even he talks about how politicians today can't be politicians without a social media presence. Now, What type of social media presence and what type of social media influencers do you think did best in 2020? Joe tells us. And who do you think makes more money? The crazy, R-rated, wild, badass personalities or the cute, G-rated personalities? Joe breaks that down. We also talk about how COVID absolutely catapulted the space into a world Joe always saw coming and he never sees it going anywhere but up, which is interesting, right? Because I have friends and family that are like, enjoy it now, it'll be gone tomorrow. From signing the first influencer ever in the space to doing up to a $25 million influencing deal, Joe breaks it all down. He talks about how much people will even pay to get a blue check mark. My freaking God. But before I open up the bell with Joe, here are some eye-opening facts about the space that you should know. Now, this research was completed by Statista Marketing, but here's some interesting facts. In 2016, the social media market was a $1.6 billion industry. Just five years later, it has surpassed $13 billion, and it is now estimated to be a $13.8 billion industry in 2021. The average spending on a campaign for influencers with more than 500,000 followers is $39,577. Now, the top five factors that go into a brand wanting to work with an influencer, number one is the quality of their content. Number two, is their target audience, so the demographic. Number three is the engagement rate. Number four is how the budget aligns with their rates. And number five is the brand organically aligned with the influencer. What you didn't hear there was followers. Actual total amount of followers and follower account was number seven on the list for what brands look for when working with an influencer. But listen, enough of the stats. Let's get to the opening bell with the guy who was an early adopter to the space and has been in the space longer than I even knew what Instagram was, the CEO of Viral Nation and co-founder, Joe Galeazze. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. So Joe and I had a uh, just a quick call before we met, did a little introductory call, and him and I just got shooting the shit so much on influencer marketing. I, I literally, in the middle of the conversation, would be like, Joe, we need to stop right now. We need to put something on the books. Need to get like a conversation going because the, the detail that we're talking about is uh, is so in-depth and so much that that people should know, don't know. And you know what? It's the future of, of what we're doing and, and how marketing is going to look like. So from your education at Ryerson to now the CEO of one of the world's largest social media influencing 
and companies. What did that path look like and what led you to creating Viral Nation? Yeah, so sorry to burst your bubble, but I actually didn't finish school. Oh, Viral Nation took off in the tail end of me finishing at Ryerson University in Toronto, but they actually gave me, I believe, a seven-year extension on the degree if I ever want to come back and give it a give it a final uh, final walkthrough. <laughs> What's super funny about that is I just actually accepted a position as entrepreneur in residence at University of Toronto, so I'm part of the faculty there now. And I go to my dad, who's an old-school Italian guy, and I'm like, well. I didn't graduate from school because he still calls me a high school graduate, but now I teach at a school. So I guess that, that's got to be worth something. I've been a serial entrepreneur since I can remember selling paintballs when I was 14 years old to you know, selling DVDs out of the back of my truck, that whole classic serial entrepreneur story. And then I launched a liquidation company here in Canada that got some traction, but it was a really dirty job. And I was always kind of had this dream to create something that didn't have a cap that didn't have a ceiling on it. That's something that I could grow that could become a platform to uh, influence the world. So when social media started to take off, call it about seven and a half years ago, I went to an uh, NHL agent who helped me and who's a family friend. And I said, hey man, would you give me a shot to sell your NHL players endorsement deals for their social only? And he was like, well, sure. Like to them at that time, that wasn't a thing. And I built a, an a, a calculation to value how much their posts cost. And, you know, very, very, you know, I was 20, you know, two at the time, 23 at the time. So I was just, you know, a young scrappy guy. And the reality I didn't recognize that kind of set me into the influencer world was when I went to an NHL player who was making six, seven, eight million dollars a year. And I said, hey, I got this really great opportunity for you to post on YouTube for 10 grand. <laughs> it wasn't getting them out of bed, right? Sure, sure. Um, so instead of kind of stopping there, what I said was, well, these influencers on Vine and Instagram and YouTube at the time have these huge audience and they're not monetizing them. And quite frankly, are worth more than the athlete and celebrity on social today. Why don't I go and start trying to represent those guys? So I did. And that was the first big turning point for me as an entrepreneur was uh, I was one of the first guys in the world to start representing influencers like you would an athlete or a celebrity. I actually used the NHL contract and I modified it for my first, you know, call it 20 influencers. They were on like five-year lockups. And, you know, I was just doing my thing. Um, <laughs> you miss one section where it says NHL and you get a little kid from Vine. Like, what the fuck? Am I in the show now? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I drove to sign my first influencer. And quite frankly, he signed the contract so fast that he couldn't have read the cover page on it. So like, it, it really didn't matter at that time. Fast forward, he's actually on our talent team today, our first ever influencer. Uh, Who was the first NHL player that you got? Sam Bennett, Calgary Flames. Good guy. Oh, cool. He was a yep. wonderful guy to work with. Marner yep. on the Leafs. The agent's Darren Ferris. He worked at, used to be at Orr Group. Anyway, so we became the talent guys. And you know, I remember Vanity Fair in 2014 saying, you know, this is the CAA of the future. And, you know, cool stuff because when yeah. you tap into an industry that doesn't exist yet, what ends up happening is big brands prerequisites go away. So you look like the big guy in the room because there's no one bigger standing near you, right? So we really leveraged those opportunities. And then what we found was all of these marketing agencies in the US started contacting us to put influencers on their campaigns. And we said, why don't we just do the campaigns ourselves? And that was another big turning point for me in my career. So we started selling influencer campaigns. Then we got to this point where people started to say things like influencer marketing is a fad. It's, it's going to sure. go away. There's no traction behind this industry, uh, whatever it may be. So we kind of sat down and said, okay, this marketing stuff and the world has changed so much. You don't buy a car without watching a YouTube video. You make 80% of your purchase decisions based on what you see on a company's Instagram. Everything's changing. Fuck everything, yeah. right? Streaming services, how we watch sports, the zone, the whole world and how we consume everything is changing. So I said, why don't we just go in and try to disrupt the shit out of traditional marketing companies and see if we can't make something here. So I hired sales guys, I hired marketing executives, et cetera. And I started building the building blocks to the marketing agency component of our business to be able to take on media, to be take on experiential, take on all the different nuances of the marketing world. And guys, that's what, that's what set it on fire. We won Entrepreneur of the Year, Ernst & Young. We were the fastest the fourth fastest growing company in the country last year. And this is all due to the fact that Viral Nation's position to take on that change. 
fast forward to now without saving you all the nuances, failures and, and hardships that come along with seven years of that type of growth. We have Viral Nation Talent still in existence, largest talent agency in the world. We represent hundreds and hundreds of influencers as their agents. We have Viral Nation Marketing, 140 person organization. We run marketing campaigns around the entire world from everyone from Call of Duty to Disney to Tencent in China to Amazon Prime to Prime Video to you know you name it we've got we we represent a majority of the blue chips and then we have a technology company that we spun out about two and a half years ago and Viral Nation as a whole is powered by tech so everything we do when we're looking to pair an influencer with a brand or we're looking for the results of things we're doing and et cetera, we're able to do that all with data and we have partnerships with every major platform. So we've turned this thing from representing influencers to a global marketing company, to a technology company. And we're actually coming out in the next three months here with a platform that allows people to become influencers. So we're trying to get it from, I want to be an influencer all the way to the other side of the spectrum and just really cover it all off. So that's, that's what got me started. And that's where we are today, boys. That's amazing. I want to I want to kind of unpack that because there's a lot to unpack. And so yeah, I want to start with the different areas for for people that have interest in influencing uh, or heard about it, and they're just like, I don't have a damn clue. So when you talk about talent, so let's talk about just that business for Viral Nation. So you represent talent, and so when you're working with talent, you're finding people in, from all. To tell me a little bit about the people that you're working with: A list, Z list, reality athletes, musicians, and how do like contracts work? Is it exclusivity? Is it like you just find off one? one deals like tell you know the average person what is the talent division like our talent division has changed so much over the years because you know it went from having to give someone your unborn child to have them sign with you and trust you the industry went through a pretty shitty phase where a number of people were being you know duped into exclusive contracts with guys who had no credibility which killed a lot of the trust in the industry there's been so much but Today, a majority of Viral Nation talent is exclusive on two to three year engagements. And those talent are generally large, like who can create what we would say a, uh, a, a earnings enough to justify not having a job. Because when we sign a talent, it's not just looking at their inbound emails and transferring them into money, their personas, we build their brand, we reach out to brands on their behalf, we do their merchandising, we do licensing on their behalf. And for the crazy ones who want to get into the real entertainment world, we help facilitate that as well, right? So Viral Nations really become more selective, I would say, when it comes to the influencers that we represent. Because I'll tell you, you know, the influencer world is packed with a number of different oh, people, yeah. ranging from politicians all the way to you know, OnlyFans girls, right? So it, it's a really interesting <laughs> crazy business. World. And what you never want to be is siloed to a specific category, right? So the problem is if I represented, you know, every, you know, I represented every person similar to Jason, then how do you fairly distribute those opportunities? So what we try to do is get the best of the best from every single category, from every single platform and foster them. I'll give you an example. Um, in February at Viral Nation Talent, our top grossing influencers were doctors. Uh, really? We represent oh, a lot of doctors on social, right? So it's just really interesting. We try to be very selective and, and and find creators and not necessarily people that uh, influencers that people just like looking at if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. So I'm thinking about some of our followers, right? And they follow Bachelor Nation. So give me, tell me how this example would work. You got Bachelor Nation and all of a sudden it's like a Monday and there's 8,000 people in Bachelor Nation pitch and sugar bear hair. And I hate to even give them a plug, but I just did. And so explain to me where Viral Nation comes in there if, if it's one of your clients, right? So will you guys work directly with a company like that? And then you're pitching them on what exactly you can do in the space from an exposure perspective. And then is it a process where they would cut a big budgeting check and say, Viral Nation, go do it. Go hire the influencers, get the deliverables, get me the impressions, get me the likes, get me the comments. Is that how it works? Like soup to nuts, like 101? How does it work? In a case like Sugar Bear Hair, right? Like you hit on an interesting example because we would actually, you know, thinking about Bachelor and et cetera, we would actually advise against doing those types of promotions for those types of brands because they're almost too salesy. When sure. we look at people like yourself, Jason, we think about things like how do we get, you know, Jason's 
podcast put on Spotify and develop an e-commerce store around it? How do we get Jason working with Bloomberg to start talking about new ventures and having them sponsor him? So when we look at people, especially coming out of the reality TV realm, what you see too often is they go for any type of monetization they can get because they're new, right? So it's like, one day it's an you know an ass lifting device. The next day it's uh, it's teeth, it's teeth whitening. Uh, the next you know all of these stereotypical you know call it shitty ads people don't like sure. on social because they they need patience right because sometimes mm-hmm. to get the big deal you got to wait two three months and they have they're turning down all these micro deals which is psychologically hard for people who have never sure. had money going them that way. So it can work two ways with Viral Nation. One is a Sugar Bear Hair or a Sugar Bear Hair's agency will reach out to Viral Nation talent looking for specific talent to put on their campaigns. Or they'll reach out to Viral Nation Marketing and we'll close you know, a $5 million deal with them and we'll build the campaign and choose the influencers and develop the whole thing for them. It's two different streams. Interesting. So uh, yeah, that is so fascinating. And I will say uh, what Joe's saying also correlates to how they do work because I've done deals with Viral Nation and the deals I've done are all blue chip companies and they all align exactly with the platform I'm trying to build right now, which is all about career management, personal finance. I won't get into the specifics of the company, but um, they're, they're big, big business brands that correlate exactly what I do. Very organic. Uh, and and it, was, it was a perfect fit. So all that does align with the stuff that you're seeing. Now, tell me about the, the, the industry in general. And before I even ask you to open up about that, I'll tell you, it, to me, it's it's just crazy. And, and I say it's crazy because it's a wild, wild west. And I have, there are people in the bachelor world that I'll have the same exact following, the same season, same everything. And I'll know that my rate is three or four times theirs. I've seen so many scenarios in which people just don't know their ass from their head and they have different agents completely taking them to the cleaners. I've also seen some examples in which like there might be like, uh, let's just give an example. I have a LaCroix here. LaCroix will cut off a you know, 100K for X, Y, and Z person. And then the agent may take 50k off the top and then find, you know, an influencer that they can get who knows the least amount of the business and do it at like the smallest amounts. I know that's not the way Viral Nation works, but I am curious. The things I just said, do you think there's accuracy behind them? And tell me more about that side of the industry that that you may have seen in your day as a motivator to do things differently. Yeah, so it's unfortunate. Like, uh, I, I'm not lying to you when I say I had to help an influencer get out of agreement where he was on an 80 20 split with his agent, and the agent was 80. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. And uh, the influencer thought it was completely normal. God. You know, you know what? Unfortunately, guys, when it comes to human nature, unfortunately, with success comes these types of attacks, right? You know, you see during COVID, credit card frauds are going through the roof. Whenever there's something someone can attack to make money quickly that benefits themselves, you open yourself up to these types of things happening. And unfortunately, you can't stop them. That being said, the influencer industry, I want to circle back because I think there's an interesting undertow globally happening here, guys, that I I think people are ignoring that I think is insane, which is there's polls out there that are saying that 86% of young people want to be influencers when they grow up. There's 75% of young people saying they want to do influencer as an occupation when they grow up. You can't be a politician without being an influencer. You can't get in the next star movie without being an influencer. You can't get casted for a show like The Bachelor unless you have a social following. Social following an audience, and it doesn't have to be 20 million, but it is it is the be-all, end-all in the future of this next generation that's coming, right? If you look at the successful startups, they're successful and have lines around the street because they have viral posts on their Instagram. Everything is is coming to a head like this. So it's going to take a lot of time, not only for the world to adjust to it and understand it, but for there to be some type of centralization. I've heard a lot of rumors about things like an influencer union, SAG getting into the influencer space, et cetera. The problem is it's too big. It's too big. There's too many nuances. Christ, there's 2 million video game streamers with over 100,000 subscribers. Like there's no... It's just different. It's, it's just different. But unfortunately, guys, like I've dealt with, and I won't say which ones, but 
I've dealt with UFC fighters whose agents have done the same thing to them. And they don't know because they're you know fresh out of Ireland and they know how to pound people's faces in. I've met celebrities who've lost their careers because they've signed with the wrong people, et cetera. Unfortunately, you're never going to change that, that aspect of this business. And I want to get into the weeds on that a little bit and talk more about how some of the A-listers are actually making their way onto social media. Before I get into that, though, I want to take three steps back. For sure. people that are listening, that are like, it's not lasting. This whole world, you know, like some of my buddies will see, I'm like, guys, you won't believe what's coming in, the deals and how it's coming in, the brand and it's building and the impressions. It's going to be gone tomorrow. And I tell them, I'm like, guys, I might be gone tomorrow. Instagram might be gone tomorrow, but social media marketing is not going anywhere. And I'm curious what your retort would be to someone that says, this is a fad. It's dying. Viral Nation's going to die because people aren't going to do advertising on social media. Talk to me. It's scientific, buddy. Like it's not even a debate. The <laughs> it was a and, great buddy drop there, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we were in a scrum in front of that, like, Canadian. Buddy. He's gonna drop the mitts buddy. on me right now. No, I'm, um, I'm, I'm I stand on your side, but I want to hear like with all your success and the big company you run, like how you defend that stance. If you look at it, the problem is that social media gives people chemical reactions. I, I know that sounds insane. I'm not a conspiracy guy. But sure. when someone grows a certain amount on social media, it does something back here that motivates them, unlike anything else in the past, right? When you were watching TV and taking in content or you're doing a play at school, that didn't happen. But now when that one person comments, whether negative or positive, it does something in here. So what the problem we have is, is social media is not about influencers. It's about feelings. So I'll give you an example. One of the biggest problems with social media that I, I, I'm looking for different ways to try to support is you're having it start to fundamentally change how people's popularity in school is, right? So that good-looking girl in high school has 20,000 followers and I have 2,000 and now I feel inferior based wow. off of likes and comments. And so it's not just influencers, it's, it's captivating young people, right? I was on, I was playing Xbox last night with my brother and uh, this random kid joined our game and he's like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm streaming right now. And I'm like, Oh, cool, man. Like he's, I'm like, how many people you got watching? He's like, I got three that's up from one last week. And like, I'm doing this, man. And his level of incitement for three people watching him, to me, really proves to me that it doesn't need to be at scale. People just love that little bit of attention from people outside of their network. So with all that being said, yeah, brands might not do influencer marketing at the same scale or size or whatever that they're doing it now. Yeah, Instagram might be gone and something might replace it. Sure. But the reality is now you've unleashed a beast that is so fundamentally tied into how humans do stuff that you're not going to be able to pull that back. And there'll always be ways to make money around it, develop on it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think chemically in our brains, it's going to be impossible to pull it back unless you get rid of it. And if you try to get rid of social media and you think you think the riots in the US and different things are bad, that they'll burn this world down. <laughs> yeah, I don't see, especially when you talk about like the consumer behavior portion of it. Uh, David, you had a thought there? I just, I work with, teenagers as my job and the priority and the pedestal that they put social media on, it's literally how they judge things and the pressures that, that they go through with it. It's they'll think someone's attractive if they have more followers, right? Yeah. They'll think someone's cooler because they have more followers. They'll be more inclined to, it's just crazy. And, and it's like you said, it's, it's a feeling it's, it's a built into their DNA. It's like a drug and it's, it's, it's scary to be honest. Good for well, you guys. I do a lot it's of, your business. Well, <laughs> Yeah, and we're trying to go about it appropriately um, and with respect. I know that sounds cheesy, but you know we, we're teaching the influencers we represent that they need to be responsible for the audiences that they have. And we have a very low tolerance when it comes to different types of views and different opinions that they're putting out on their social because they don't realize how powerful they are. I, I was... Uh, I ran an interview. I was interviewed yesterday, yesterday or the day before by the New York Times about this exact thing. And I was telling her, there's no prerequisite to being an influencer. So back in the day, the people who delivered their messages to us, it was either comical, which meant it didn't go through anything and you didn't take it seriously, or they went to journalism school. Then they started in the mailroom. Then they worked their way up to gain that credibility. Then the editors used to check it and then it would go out to you. Now you assault an Uber driver, you go viral, you get half a million followers. And now this woman who is 
so unqualified to speak to children is now talking to half a million of them overnight. Unbelievable. So it's insane, guys. There's no prerequisite. So you're just going to, you know, then you can look at it in the lens of the world, which is the world is full of some shitty people and some people yeah. who, sh you know, and now you're giving yeah. them audience. So you got, yeah. it's very hard to control and very hard to pull back. Yeah. I never thought about it from that aspect, but uh, to both of your points, I remember I was in Rochester and there, my buddy's kids were playing. I think they're like 10 years old and I was there all day. I don't talk about, you know, the show or whatever. And the one kid said to the other, he's verified. And the other kid looked at me like I was like a super, you have a blue check mark. How do you have a blue check mark? And then I showed him, he's like, I see your Instagram, show him my following. You would have thought he saw like a superstar. I'm like, dude, if you only knew, it's just because I got dumped in the <laughs> middle of Thailand. Like it's not, it's nothing that cool. Um, it, but gets wanna... wor it gets worse. Like the kids are these days are like, oh, did you hear so-and-so's TikTok famous? It's like, yeah, he got 10,000 likes. He's TikTok famous. I'm like, <laughs> famous back in our day it's like you had to be somebody be you know it's like tiktok famous you're famous like that and it's like you said it's it's just you talk about jason for like jason when i got verified yeah eight nine people i went to high school with came out of the woodwork and asked me why <laughs> and i was like was this so important to you that you need to know i don't know i i, I make i make instagram lots of money so i'm sure they were just being kind like <laughs> like what's well, your uh, favorite we we get emails sometimes guys i obviously won't say who they're from but like celebrities email and, and, and athletes and be like, I'll pay you a hundred grand to get me the verification on Instagram. I'm like, what? Tell like, them next time they could take my blue check mark for a hundred. But it's a very powerful, but that goes into the psychology shit we were just talking about guys. Yep. Like you give that person the blue check and it, it fulfills them. It's life's like, goal. Fucking used to. It's like, crazy. That's the feeling they get. It's insane. Yep. So it goes to the behavioral part. I want to talk quickly about the business side. Tell me yeah. from your vantage point, all the big companies you guys are working with, why do you think they'll continue to put dollars on this? I think COVID was my best evidential proof I've ever had when it comes to, to marketing. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Over time, certain traditional aspects of marketing become accepted, even though they never really got verified, right? So every time there's a movie or The Bachelor is going to premiere a new ser series, it's off the side of the highway on, uh, in New York City, and it's here, mm -hmm. and all the traditional stuff goes up, right? And that's become normalized. The issue we had when we were growing, I remember when our average deal size was like 50 grand, right? Yeah. And it was because we had to convince brands that this was a good thing to do. And now what happened was with COVID, they shut off their sports sponsorships. They shut off their TV sponsorships. They turned off their traditional advertising in the train stations and all this stuff. And guess what? They fucking grew. Mm -hmm. So that to them was like, a, whoa, like I didn't spend that money and we made money. So why am I spending that money there? And that's part of like the growth that we saw through COVID. That's where it came from, right? So when I talk about influencers, there's three fundamental reasons why influencers are really, really amazing for a brand. And they might not even be what you expect. One is in the history books of marketing, word of mouth advertising is the best form of advertising you can achieve. So when your wife shoots a text to her girlfriend and says, check out this dress place in LA. We got to go there. That is marketing heroin. Okay. <laughs> and, and what influencers are is a word of mouth on steroids version because they're telling their friends, their friends just happen to be 2 million people who respect them and admire them for some reason that they connect with. So that's number one. Number two is the millennial and Gen Z base of our world, especially today, could give a shit about a brand. There's no loving connection like McDonald's used to have with families where, you know, they would hug the golden arches when they went <laughs> to get their things, right? Actually, fundamentally, young people now don't trust brands. They think brands are the big guys. They think that, you know, they do all this awful stuff. Amazon's the devil. And what influencer does is it disconnects the brand from their consumer. So instead of Amazon telling you that Amazon Prime Video is awesome, which it is, you're having someone who they trust say it for you. So it's that distillation between the brand and the consumer that influencers create. And then the last beautiful piece of influencer is, Jason, what you could create on the campaign you worked on with us is far more relatable and far more consumable than what that brand would have been able to do on their own. So the content that influencers make is just so mainstream and just so normal. It's not overproduced and people actually engage with it. So that type of content to a brand has now become extraordinarily valuable. So it hits all three buckets. 
And then guys like me who have these huge infrastructures around it, I can go in and create event around one of those things. I can put paid media behind those things. I can do the traditional things around those things. So it's just, it's, it's the power of word of mouth and the, the, the intersect between brand and consumer and them being the advocate instead of the brand. And then one thing I never thought about until right now, but these brands are probably saving a shit ton of money not having to hire these crazy production companies and creatives because when we do get these deals, and David, you probably don't even know this, but like we'll get like a whole deck on how it should be created, thoughts, ideas, strategies, things they want to take away. You get the deck, creatives up to you. It's like, you know, there's parameters to go with, but like you're in charge of what it's going to look like and how it's going to feel. So they must be, and that being said, saving money and then getting an increase on their return, just more reason on both sides of the equation that we just addressed, the consumer behavior with the phone in their hand to the businesses that are actually creating the spending. It's it's a win-win situation. And to anyone out there that say it's dying, I'm telling you right now, you heard it here from Joe, you heard it from myself. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. So I am sorry. You're still going to hear us say, swipe up every now and then. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. I got to get into this though. Yeah, One of the comments I always find funny is like, David will talk. He'll be like, dude, I can't believe like you're like a reality show bachelor. How the hell do you have more followers than this person or this person? Like how I like, I, I know this person, this person's been on 8,000 shows. It's like a big, per, a big celebrity, but you have more of a social media following. So I want to bring that to your business, Joe. You see this all the time. Are you starting to see some of these like older, super familiar faces, extremely established careers slide their way into social media? And because and, and, I see some of these people, I'm like, these guys got to be multi, multi, multi jillionaires and they're sting girls and they're still pushing and pushing social media. Why is it that some of these old timers or even new timers that just didn't do social media, why are they getting in the game now? So there's two things I want to address there that I think you'll find extremely amusing and, and, and insightful. We were taught to admire celebrities and athletes, okay? And the problem with admiring celebrity and athletes, like if we think about Leonardo DiCaprio, LeBron James, all these guys is, you know, phonetically, they're not like, we're not sort like we're not relatable to them. We can't relate to them really. You know, right. sure, we love the posh and the luxury and all that shit, but like, I'm never going to be LeBron James. I'm never going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm never going to have a lifestyle like that, etc. So when influencers came onto the scene, it was this familiarity. It's like, I could be like Jason. I couldn't be like this influencer. I love what this person's doing. This is my interest. They're normal. They don't make $25 million a year. Blah, 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 blah. All these things made them more relatable, which made them being able to deliver messages so much more powerful than celebrities and athletes. I beat out, I worked on a campaign with Apple where I took influencers and Apple hired another agency with Rovio and they did Justin Bieber and Demi, Lo- Demi Lovato, I think at that yeah, time. Yeah. And my influencers, these guys got 100,000 clicks to the app store. My guys got 500,000 clicks to the app store. My campaign cost one-tenth of theirs. So the power of them is not only just visually bigger, it is actually more fundamentally powerful. So we're working with the number of brands now who are in the athletic space to move some of those athletic endorsement models to influencers as well to gauge the future of how they're doing what they do. From a celebrity side, there's two reasons why they make the move back to social. One is what we talked about, that chemical thing. They don't like the fact that they're not big on social and the other person is. They don't like being the big guy who, who doesn't... Why don't I have 50 million followers on Instagram? And they have this moment where they're like, no, 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 I'm coming. Like, right? <laughs> and that's why, you see, that's why you see sometimes they come out of the blue. You know, I like know when where. they launch their page and it's sure. like, boom, it has 50 million followers. Now, the other thing is greed, right? And and I I don't mean greed in a rude way. I should say is revenue potential. What they're learning is that their counterparts like Dwayne Johnson, like Will Smith and et cetera, are now getting opportunities based on what they've created digitally, right? So they're seeing The Rock getting a full-blown three-year deal with Ford that's only going out on social. They're seeing The Rock promote his movies on his social channel and getting 5 million views on a trailer for free. The studios are seeing that stuff, et cetera. And now the actors who have that social component are becoming more, the the studios want them more than the guys who don't have it because those guys are able to do promotion around those specific activations way bigger than anyone else. And then in the athletic space, 
those guys are monetizing like crazy, Jason. So like the LeBrons and these guys, because they have that big social, those checks go up exponentially. So these guys are like, okay, if I can do what he does, like we're, we're partnered with a company out of New York and they're doing Tariq Hill's YouTube channel. They're doing a number of these different guys' YouTube channels because they all want to do it because they also see it as a retirement plan. So it's really sharp of them to get into it, but it's either for the clout or it's for the monetization. Yeah, and you think about what well, you, you just brought up the rock. You think about those numbers, how astronomically different things have become just in a, in a short period of time where the guy's got 225 million followers, right? You guys you think about the, the old days of marketing. The Super Bowl was it. Like that the most expensive commercial out there is the Super Bowl. There is nothing else. Get, I think this past year is about 91 and a half million people that watched the Super Bowl. This guy, every single day, 24-7, 365 days a year, just on his Instagram, that's just one form of social, has two and a half X of the people watching the fucking Super Bowl. So you think about, I mean, how this has changed the game so drastically. Do you think The Rock makes more money off social media than he does when he lands these huge A-list celebrity movie deals? Yes and no. Um I actually have insight into how many story views that guy gets on a story okay. um, because of a deal we were putting. Which in. are how many? No, I can't, I can't say, but it's the population of a small country. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> what's interesting about that is you're dead on Jason. Like, you know, the, the promotional value of that is obscene. Like you've seen it. Um, you know, what's uh, pretty interesting. You ever see, a celebrity launch their Instagram account just to promote the movie they're in. Oh yeah. Of course. It's hilarious. It's like it's just, just started my Instagram thing. two posts later. It's the trailer for their new movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what they're doing more so than making more money off of it, they're using it as leverage to move up everything they're doing instead. I don't think it's a singular vehicle. I think after retirement, and, and et cetera, et cetera. It could be that. But right now, they're just using it as a way to get the money they would have normally gotten tripled or quadrupled. Interesting. All right. So that it's fascinating to see how this world is changing and, and to be part of it. And not only to be part of it, to be part of it uh, many years ago that you were is, is just fascinating. Where do you think we'll get to it? I have some, some friends that are like, man, you must be grinding you know, making 10 grand, uh, 10 grand every six months doing what you're doing. And then other people are like, what are you doing? And then, you know, sometimes you'll drop like, actually last month, it was crazy. I made six figures or they'll be like, what the fuck did you just say? Right? And so when yeah. do you think this world is actually going to become open in the fact that people understand this stuff? Like in general, like if I say, okay, what does a general manager of a car dealership mean, make? We all have a pretty good idea or, you know, just pre preoccupations. Like we have a good idea what teachers make and nurses. When do you think like this world becomes normalized where like people actually do understand from both the creator standpoint and the consumer standpoint, one, what the rate should be and two, what people like this do make with these things? Yeah, I try not to tell people what some of our guys make, like just acquaintances and buddies, because it gets them all sour, right? Like I'll be like, you know, a <laughs> seventeen-year-old kid on TikTok made two million bucks last month, and he wants Crazy. to jump off, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't go to college; just dances like this. Yeah, yeah. He he unboxes technology products, and he makes as yeah. much as the CEO of Samsung. Mil. Yeah. <laughs> Um, why it'll never be normalized is because there's too many nuances to it. So I'll give you, I'll just, I'll break it down in a very easy way. So what I have is the rating factor. Okay. So you have influencers who fall into the PG bucket, PG bucket influencers make the most money because as soon as you leave the PG bucket and you go to like uh, parental advisory, you lose 80% of the blue chip companies. You lose the Disney's, you lose the Colts, you lose all those guys with brand safety. Can I stop you right there yeah. and just ask yeah. a quick, because I know I'm going to forget the question. How would you be able to tell if someone is parental, PG, PG-13, R-rated? What system do you have in place to do that? We are in the process of filing our patent applications on how we do that. And we're going to be the first company in the world that's going to be able to do that. So if we could have a follow-up chat about that, I'd love to, because yes. that'll blow your mind. Okay. Sorry um, to interrupt, but I had, but, to, had but, to figure that out. No problem. But uh, yeah, so the PG influencers, then you cut off 80% of the blue chip pie. You're left with BetMGM. Uh, you're left with Monster Energy, Red Bull, all like the brands who are a little bit edgy, right? Who are cool with that type of nuance. Then when you leave PG uh, to PG-14 or whatever it's called, parental advisory, and you move into rated R, which there's a huge chunk of influencers there, massive. 
from YouTubers to Instagrammers, et cetera, you've cut all those guys out. So now you've got startups, VPNs, gummy bears, uh, OnlyFans, you name it, right? So there's that distillation. And then there's the economical distillation of the different types of verticals. So I'll give you an example. Kid influencers make way more money than reality TV. Tech influencers make way more money than gamers do. So it, then it comes down to the vertical. So if you look at all the different verticals, beauty, technology, gaming, et cetera, then you look at the economies around those, those genres, right? So the gaming community's fuck, it's huge, but it's not really monetized. There's not companies making huge money in gaming yet, like big, big money. Then you look at cosmetics and stuff like that, monster budgets, and those influencers make a lot. And then as just to throw another twist into it, then you got to look at influencer dilution. So there are 500 times more beauty influencers than there are technology influencers. Mm. There are 5,000 times more comedy and entertainment influencers than there are streamers, right? So then you got to look at how big is the pie of influencers. So the problem is there's so many nuances that go into understanding the values of these guys. I can do it off the top of my head. Like if you said, this influencer, what do you think they make? I could probably nail it or get really close just because I've worked with all of them. But in terms of centralizing and understanding that, we're a long way from there. Because then you have the micro-influencers versus the big ones. Then you have sure. the celebrity-tier influencers versus the small ones. Like, there's too many zigzags to centralize it. Yeah, and I, and I at a much smaller scale, understand, too, also, like, engagement has a huge, uh, like, part of that, too, is my understanding, right? So you could have an influencer that has like 20 million followers, but they have just have absolutely no engagement. You could have an influencer that has a million followers. Their engagement might be three, four X of someone with 20 million, and therefore their rate could be actually more than the person of 20 million. And one of the things I've heard about just real quick here, and then I'm, David, I want to hear your follow-up there, is about the whole... Because people are like, why are all the Bachelor people? Like they go and why are they like just slinging shit left and right? My understanding is that the engagement within the Bachelor community is relatively high to other um, to other reality TV shows. And in addition to that, it's actually a pretty concentrated demographic of like 18 to 44-year-old females, which strictly talking business, I have heard is more advantageous for most companies to try and target. Therefore, rates are higher. Uh, is that true? And then Dave, jump in with any other thoughts you have. Yeah. So what's interesting is, and why I've taken an affinity and, and pointed a couple of my people in the talent agency to reality TV is because what, what's creating that engagement is the relevancy and the speed of size. So what that means is you look at influencers who take six, seven, eight years to grow their audience. When reality TV people have that moment where that thing they're participating in is big, it's generally between, you know, it could be a two-week to a six-month term that mm -hmm. people are seeing them all the time. And, and depending on the popularity of the show, you see their growth uh, kind of follow that popularity. And then that audience you come out of that with is relevant and they're all active and they've just made the decision to follow you. They haven't been there for four years, right? So that's where the engagement stems from. That's what makes them valuable. And from an audience perspective, you better believe it. Like uh, women in that age group is number one in marketing across the board. Fascinating. David. I got to put them to the test here. So <laughs> you said if you got given an a influencer, you could guess kind of what they make or what their revenue streams are. Are you going to ask so me about Jason? I'm going to ask you about Jason. <laughs> and Jason, Jason, you don't got to say, you don't got to say he's right okay. or wrong, but give us, give us people at home a guess. Social media only. Social right? media. Uh, let's go social media only. Social media only. Um, it depends. Is if he's signed with Viral Nation or not, it could go up. <laughs> well, or you could just do. Uh, we could break it down one. What do you think uh, a story or a post would be? How about that? Is that yeah, easier? That'd be great. That's unfair because I signed the agreements. That's true. Um, <laughs> David, in the recap, why don't you ask me that question? And I'll tell you the answer. There no, no, go. no. Hold on. I want to guess. I want to guess. Okay. I think he would probably with the ebbs and flows of the year net out if he's done it properly between 400 and 600,000 a year. Wow. In wow. in social media deals. Social media only. Social wow. media only. Okay, good stuff. Here's going to be a good tease in this recap. David, yes. I'm going to give you the breakdown. I'm going to tell you about that. So right. stay to the end of that. Perfect. <laughs> Good question. All right. So, wow. I could talk to you all freaking day, Joe. But we have uh, a quick segment here with rapid questions. So I'll fire some questions off to you. Some relevant to this conversation, some not. Just curious what your, your open thoughts are. And if you, don't, if you don't feel like answering, just say no comment. But let's get this going. What's the first brand deal you ever closed? 
sugar crisp cereal. Mm, sounds good. I like that. how much was the brand deal? Sam Bennett, five thousand dollars. There Boy, you Sammy. go, Sammy. <laughs> All right. I could imagine. I could only imagine the cel- celebration that happened when that took place. You don't even like, know. Oh my God, we're doing! <laughs> I spent <laughs> six. I spent six grand celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, how about the biggest? So, this question, obviously, you have information you can't disclose, but I think one or the two you might be able to. The biggest brand deal you did, either the company or if you don't say the company, actually a size, like a sizable deal. The biggest deal I've ever done in this space is about twenty-five million. Wow. Okay. Wow. Fuck. Jesus. It's just. <laughs> I still. It's like hard to comprehend. That's a few boxes right. of sugar crisp sugar crisp cereals. Yeah. yeah. I was that's, say. yeah that's, a, that's a step up from those days. All right. Here's one. So obviously you're an early adopter. You're at this space before it blew up. You got to be on your phone often. You already talked about it. What's your average screen time? If you go to your settings on your phone, how often are you on your phone? Three hours. What? Come on. I can't. What are you on your computer? My you wife, just have a my, good team. My wife checked it the other day as like a punishment. She was like, uh, let me see that. If you're not, because she kept saying, well, you're always on your phone. And I said, check the screen time. And she guessed four hours or four and a half hours or something. It ended up being three, which is how I know that. But yeah, no, three hours is usually my, uh, but I watch YouTube videos on my phone. Okay, three hours is nothing. So we we had uh, Skinny Confidential yesterday, uh, a couple days ago, interviewed her. And so we were talking about this actually came up and she said hers was like nine. Actually, mine was like eight. And then Evan over here, who's a producer on this show, pulls out his phone. It was 14 hours. And she no. just started chirping him. She's like, clearly, you're just like beating your meat. The whole time. <laughs> like, no way yeah. you're productive on a call like that for, 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 for that long. <laughs> um, amazing. Okay, Joe, this has been awesome. Before we wrap up here, we always end with one segment and the segment of course naturally just the name of the podcast is trading secrets so if you could think i mean we already talked about a lot of the ins and outs of your business but if there was one secret that probably the average consumer wouldn't know as it relates to influencer marketing influencer spend influencer growth whatever that might be what is one trading secret you can think of that the average consumer you know might just listen to that and be like damn never even thought of that even though you've dropped about 30 of those already <laughs> My secret's a little bit negative, but it's it's valuable. Um, being an influencer takes a lot more work than the average person understands. So a lot of people um, uh, assume that guys like Jason are just you know it just happens. Um, but the reality is it's 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 content planning, it's the hustle, it's the editing, it's the constant ideation, it's the creativity, it's the looking like a loser in front of your friends for years while you're building your audience, the the emotional stuff, people hating on you. Like it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And I think unfortunately, like the space has painted it as anyone can be an influencer if you just pull your iPhone out, but it takes a lot more. So so my my advice. My secret would be if you're wanting to do something like this, you got to commit like you would any other business or any other hobby that you're going to go at full tilt. Amen to that. People are just like, oh, I have it so easy. I spend way more time on content creation, way more time than I did when I was a vice president, senior banker, grinding my balls off at the bank. Right. That is for sure. But no one would have a clue. So damn That's true. my favorite answer to any question I think we've ever asked. And <laughs> Kevin, O'Leary, Kevin O'Leary said it himself today. He said he's busier now with all his platforms and social media than he was starting his own company, starting a startup, selling his companies for $4 billion in the, in the early 90s. So right. that's a, that was a great, great answer. Puts thing. it in perspective. Well, Joe, everyone that's hearing this is going to want to know more about your company, yourself, Viral Nation, everything you guys have going on. So from Viral Nation to yourself personally, tell us where people could find you and, and what's new and exciting and what to expect. Listen, from a personal perspective, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram only. It's the only platform I have being the social guy. It's just Joey Viral and then ViralNation.com. Pretty simple stuff, but uh, yeah, if there's anyone who ever needs advice or wants to learn more, they're they're more than welcome to uh, reach out. But I want to thank you guys so much. This was really fun, man. Like, and I think what we discussed today, you know, unfortunately, these conversations aren't happening about this space, and this space is bigger, if not the biggest space in the world at the moment. So I think more to come here, and and I would really want to thank you again for having me. This is super awesome. Man. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing in the closing bell with one 
hell of an episode with Joe, the founder of Viral Nation. I feel like Joe's just a man. I want to call him Joey Viral, or I need a nickname for Joe. He's a big nickname guy. But what do we do every recap? We break it down with David. So David, as you guys know, he is the voice of the viewer, the curious Canadian. So he'll get my take on everything we just discussed. And oh my man, the influencing marketing world, Joey Viral said it himself. It's the discussions people just like aren't having. So David, give me your breakdown. What are you thinking? Man, it's like I just went on a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> I got so many feelings, to be honest, about that episode and a little bit about my own life here that I'm going to share a little bit if, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's hear it. It's just crazy. Like You obviously asked me to, to be a part of this podcast. I'm as nobody as nobody as a get. So talking to a lot of these guests is so interesting. And I'm learning so much and I'm put on the spot in these situations. And it's really like uncomfortable, but like nervous, fun feeling, to be honest. Like, uh-huh. I don't know the space. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm just trying to be what you said, the voice of the viewer. But today I finally got some comfortability talking to a hockey guy, a hockey guy myself. I was recording that in a hockey rink right off the ice from practice. <laughs> Joe it. didn't believe me. He was like, bullshit. I like turned the, comp- the laptop. You did the 360. And he's like, this is fucking awesome. Um, so I was like right at home and, uh, and he was such a great guy. So calm, so kind, like such a smart, intelligent guy, but fucking wise and successful beyond his years. But then the roller coaster went down and I got to be honest and open up here a little bit. And I feel like some listeners might feel the same way. Like when you guys start throwing around those numbers of like how much you make for a post and you talk talking millions, you're talking half a million, you're talking whatever it is. Like here I am, I make $50,000 a year. I have a dream job. I coach hockey for a living. I do something I'm extremely passionate about. You know, the old saying, do something you love. It'll never feel like you go to work. Well, it does feel like I go to work because then I get bills and shit and I can barely afford to pay them. And I feel like there's a world that I'm missing out on. And it's not maybe that I'm missing out on it or I just haven't got the opportunity or haven't made that opportunity. Maybe this is my opportunity right now. But Mm -hmm. I just feel like people listening at home, like, I, I hope there's some people as like depressed, not depressed, but like have this feeling that I'm having right now of being like, how is that true? How do I get a piece of it? Um, how do I learn more about it? And I think one of the greatest things that we're doing with this podcast is we're talking about them. We're at least making them aware in a way where it's like, we're trying to make it as relatable as possible to hopefully inspire us. I think you just nailed so many things that we need to quickly break down here is that it's exactly right. I think people need to know that when this podcast comes out, regardless of the guest, it's not to be putting numbers out in a braggadocious or to put someone down way. The idea, I think, too, is almost every episode to try and see the good and the bad, right? The times yeah. like a guy like Joe struggled in, in playing hockey and kind of got screwed up in the wrong things and dropped out of college to where the deals he's doing now. And one of the things I want to ask you when you say that is... Would you like these uncomfortable conversations about money, whether it makes you feel good or bad about where you benchmark yourself? Would you rather know this stuff? Oh, yeah. Would you rather just like kind of not talk about it? It's fascinating. And it's fascinating from just knowing that they exist. And we've talked a lot about the podcast with certain guests about being early adopters or early arrivals. Like Mm -hmm. there's still a chance. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. There's still a chance to at least get a piece of it or at least know how you're contributing to the consumer side of it. It's just all, it's all educational. I think that's exact point of this podcast. Now, if someone's listening and they do feel down and I appreciate you sharing that, I think it's good for us to be aware of those feelings. But at the same time, if you have more information that's coming from a source like that, which you, he's executing the deals himself and did it from the ground up. To me, to your point, it makes you a better... what Everything I'm trying to do with this podcast, a better consumer, investor, worker, employee, maybe business person. And I think you're right that it's, ne- it's never too late. Like You see TikTok. Now Clubhouse is huge. I see people on there grinding every night to build that following. Like There's so many things that are coming to fruition every day that it could be... And, and you said you're not a nobody. Like, you know, I'm a nobody. And it can be there. Like opportunity is there, I think. All right. So I got my feels for a little bit there. Okay. But I'm back. Right, I I'm like back that. to being it's David. To, it's good to feel that. <laughs> no, no, so, no. Cause I think you, David, at the core is a guy. Yeah. I think of any of my friends, you have the best ability to talk about your emotions. Right. So I appreciate you coming on here and talking about your emotions. So now, since you know, we are so close, <laughs> it's still one of those things that, you know, again, purpose of the podcast to stop the stigma around talking about money. I didn't know any of this stuff. 
right? I didn't know this stuff, mm-hmm. how it relates in the world. I certainly didn't know how it relates to you. You've never talked about it. We've had many beers. We've had many dinners. We've had many in the weeks <laughs> chats. My mind's fucking blown from all these things. <laughs> and he said, he, and you, and you kind of tease it. And I'm like, I have this like highlighted, like I wrote it down, underline it. And you said, ask you. So I'm going to ask you. He predicted you make four to 600,000 if you're leveraging your social media right. Is he right? Like, is that true? And how do I not know this? So here's one of the things I'm trying to do is make uncomfortable conversations comfortable. And I think it gets a little uncomfortable with your friends, mm-hmm. like this, this tightrope world of, am I bragging? Am I being arrogant? Or is this like, do friends and family like actually find this to be like cool? So it's one of those things I probably don't really talk to as much. I think one of the things I do talk about it then is when people are like degrading it. Like, dude, you used to have it all figured out. You used to be like a banker and now look at you. That's when I kind of like want to puff my chest and like throw out there like the reality of the situation. But I could get in, oh man, I could unpack this for so long. So David, like, like the, even just, I hated being a banker. I, I mean, I could talk about that for an hour. So like all this shit, like the PG rating bucket, like your rates being four times your peers is being an influencer really harder than people think it is. Like how many fucking revenue streams do you have? Mm-hmm. Like if social media is half a million, like what the fuck's the rest? Like, did you pay for your check, check mark? Like I need answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So, so where, do you want, are, where do you want to start? Here's okay. Brains moving a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Right I'm you like shaking with a lot. <laughs> you just hit me with a lot. The check mark, the rates, it wasn't always the case, but I could explain to you how that changed when it changed. I'll tell, you know what? I'll tell you to the penny how much I made. You know, we're in 2021. I'll tell you literally to the penny how much I've made in 2021 from influencing. I'll talk to you about equity deals. I think Joe touched on so many things. So many. Like even the G, the fact that the more G-rated you are and that there are computer systems in place that pick up on everything you do, it will decrease your likelihood of working with a bigger and better brand the more kind of R-rated, X-rated, PG-13 rated you are. There is so much to tell here. And I think when I'm thinking about this, I could throw out ballparks. I don't think that would justify anything. So what are your thoughts? You let me go back. And listen, Joe's episode was an hour. I did an intro. I'm filming this right now. I'm looking at the timestamp. We're at eight minutes. So this is well over an hour. What do you think? I go back to the chalkboard. I let you pick me apart. I'll, I'll crack the vault open. <laughs> you can answer, ask me anything. The only thing I ask you is the questions you come up with that need specifics, like numbers. You give them to me well in advance for the podcast so I can go through my QuickBooks. I can get you all the accurate information. And next episode, we'll do it next week. We got to record quickly here. I will open the vault to all that. But I'm not doing it, to your point, to, for P- I'm doing it for strictly the conversation of what you talked about and to start have these uncomfortable conversations because I'm putting people on the spot to do it. And therefore, I need to do it. And I'm willing to do it. All right. Under one condition. Let's hear it. I get to like go ham here. I get to ask like anything that has been on my mind for the last like three years <laughs> since you came off the show that has anything related to do with your new career. I get to ask it. All right. I will agree to that rule. The rule will be all the questions have to be about me. Yes. I don't want to talk about anybody else in this space. If people in this space hear this and they want to come on and they want to give their suggestion, you come on. I don't want to talk about Caitlin's stuff. You no. come to me about me. I will open up every single thing. That's my commitment. Done. Where do, I, where, where do I, I sign? One more, where do I, I sign? I have one more rule. <laughs> yes. One more rule to you. I'm going to ask the people listening, but I know it's not going to be the case. No judging. Oh, 100%. You can't be like, oh, you do you think you're the best, this or that. Like, I just need, I'll be open, but you can't judge. Like, you can't judge. You just got to, you got, we just got to have a deep conversation about it. I mean, at the end of the day, if people are listening and they should be listening, we just want answers. We want to know, right? We would just want to yeah. have an idea of that world. It's a, like I said, my roller coaster ride. Who, hopefully, there's some more ups at the end of this, but um, <laughs> we just want to know and be part of it and hop on for the ride. And you know what? It's like as we're talking about it, it's not all sunshine, rainbows, and roses. I don't even know what the hell that saying is because there's a lot of huge concerns that I'll get into in this world. There's a lot of liabilities that I'll get into in this world. And there's also the biggest white elephant in the room which is the longevity of it. Mm-hmm. So today might be great, but what's tomorrow or next year look like? 100%. And what if you make one screw up and how quickly is it all gone? So that is a whole episode. You got my commitment. I got your commitment. I appreciate your honesty and opening up with me. That is the purpose and point of this podcast. I'm going to wrap it up if you're good with it. I'm fired up. 
All right, let's close the bell. So we are going to close the bell. That's a recap that's actually going to lead to another episode. David's going to the chalkboard. He's going to put together everything and anything he can. When it comes to specifics, you got to give it to me in advance. All questions coming at me go. There's nothing off limits as long as it comes about me and my take on influencing. And we will be back next Monday with an influencing marketing part two now. Part two. This is our first ever part two. Maybe our last, but we will be cracking open the vault with myself, David at the helm. So please tune in. I hate to say, I hate to say another episode uh, you can't afford to miss because I'm in the hot seat, but it might just be that. Anything, David, before we close? I do have one thing. I've known you for 10x years now, and I have a million questions. I'm sure there's your fans out there that also have some questions. So, people. If you should have questions, call in? we should do a call in. I'm thinking we do like a five stars and a comment on the subscriptions. I'm thinking something. And if I don't get to it for this episode, since we're filming it next week, since we wanted to come out bang, bang, I'll find a way to get to your questions, people. Trust me. I'm a voice of the people for, for a reason. This recap just became like, a, uh, like literally a producer creative. We just came up with all this right here. That's a really good idea, David. If you're listening to this, please go give us five stars. Put your question in the review. Put your Instagram handle. We'll reach out to you. And then we'll have to get production to set up. We've never done call-ins. But let's do call-ins for anybody that puts questions in the reviews. We'll reach out to you. You call in. You fire away. I think I'm starting to sweat thinking about this episode, (laughs) but it'll be one hell of an episode. That being said, thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. Make sure you tune in next Monday. Ah, oh, heartbeat starting to go up for an episode you can't afford to miss.